It was supposed to be the summer of George here on the Owls America as Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. But instead, we're back doing a Wednesday podcast. I'm your host, still for the time being suburban Connecticut, Free Pattern Ostro. And uh, one of our social media lads made great promise of, uh, of a cocktail discussion for me for this show. I regret to inform you, uh, I am on some medication that does not mix well with alcohol. Rather than risk this being a very short podcast, I instead have whipped up a little, uh, a little. I, uh, you can call it a mocktail, I suppose. Uh, you know, low ABV drinks are the new hotness in the cocktail world anyway. So I batched up a little iced tea from uh, Hernie and Sons, a Darjeeling, a little lemon, a little honey, a little passion fruit syrup, and a little grapefruit juice. So it's, you know, a little tiki-inspired iced tea for the evening. Also on the line... I'm guessing on the slightly harder stuff in Queens, New York. James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeff. I was going to say it's the longest day, but it's not. It's the day after the longest day. Um, and it was so cold I'm, and I'm rainy. Drinking so. a sundowner. It has, it's been cold, rainy, and humid in New York. Um, I am compensating for you, Jeff. I am not currently on any um, contraindicated medication, uh, so I'm, I'm drinking a beer. Um it's not the beer I would normally reach for on a summer's evening. It's a pastry stout, an imperial pastry stout, actually, which I had at the back of the fridge uh, from Rockaway called Bungalow Nights. It's uh, it's 11%. It's with cocoa nibs and vanilla. Um, so, yeah, I am your yin to your yang, I guess, uh, in terms of ABV this evening. I definitely have a few of those still sitting in the back of the fridge. I haven't pulled out yet. 15% like Scotch Ale barreled one that I just haven't been able to bring myself to try. Because I know what the next morning is going to be like. It felt like a rare evening, a rare evening for celebration this evening, given the uh, the organizing surprises going on down at Hillsborough. And to round out our discussion, it is the aforementioned king of social in the DMV. It's Chris Robinson. Chris, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeff. Uh, I have a very boring but kind of tasty uh, Slighty Mighty IPA from Dogfish Head. It's a grand sub of 95 calories, which for a Wednesday mm. night is just perfect for what I uh, what I need. So it's very light, very refreshing, just a kind of easy drinking beer. Also refreshing is the Wednesday summer transfer window so far. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about our shirt. We have a shirt uh, out before the team's shirt. Not really a surprise. We didn't have Patty in a bar playing guitar and singing a song to launch it. But we will discuss that at length. And we will also uh, yeah, take your social media Q and A's because we're here. So this is primarily merchandise promotion with a podcast attached to it, which I mean is better than being a in-depth Wednesday podcast most nights anyway, but we will start with the transfer window and let's start with a, with a returning player. So Wednesday did have several out of contract players. We'll get to players leaving S6. We'll start with one coming back. Uh, Jack Hunt has uh, signed another contract extension with Sheffield Wednesday. I guess he was just on a on a one-year uh, this year. And given that Nathaniel, Nathaniel Mendez-Lang is leaving, I think fullback depth was going to be a priority. And I think we saw this year, James, Jack Hunt can still do a job at this level. Oh, no, he's a quality right back at this level. No question. Um or maybe I should say a quality right wing back because maybe his greatest effectiveness is uh, is going forward pace that he provides the uh, the balls decent balls into the box. Um, defensively, I guess you know occasionally 
um, doesn't you know, do everything you might want from a from a classic right back. But you know, I think he's he was superb for us last season. Scored a few goals as well, a few memorable ones. Um, and also, you know, he's been at the club now in two stints. He he kind of gets the dressing room. I think he's popular amongst the players. Good influence. Um, I'm delighted to see him come back. I think you know, for a League One right back, um, and with optionality across the back four when uh, when you move Palmer around. He's he's just a really really good solid re-signing. Um, so of all the after contract players, he's one I'm actually really pleased that we hung on to. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I think him coming back and him being in the dressing room, being around all his players, I think it's great. Like he's such a good, honest character. You can just see that he obviously clearly gets along with a lot of the other players, a lot of um, influential players at the club. He made. Uh, I, I looked it up earlier, 46 appearances last season for the team, which anybody that puts in that level of regular performance, probably, you wouldn't describe it a 10 out of 10 performance, but seven, eight, most most weeks is pretty pretty good. He's steady, he's reliable, he's a good, he can't do anything, but you know, congratulate the club to get getting it over the line, really. I think the recurring theme here, very veteran squad, I mean, next year. I believe we have a social media question about that later on, but... These are, you know, even players at the championship level. He is not that level of player any, but as we sort of go through the players they've brought in over the early days in the transfer window, the, the recurring theme here are, I mean, free transfers in a lot of cases, regular players on good league ones, you know, promoting or promote literal promotion teams like uh, Toy Town or teams that were chasing promotion for large parts of the season, like, you know, Wickham made the playoffs. Teams are certainly, you know, you'd expect them to be in and amongst it again. So I guess we'll start with the transfer from MK Dons. Ben Hennigan, center back on three. And I think center back going to be an obvious place to strengthen, given you know they had a lot of lone players come in and and then leave. And there's a position that dealt with a lot of injuries. We're only, geez, six months removed from regularly seeing uh, Callum Patterson and Marvin Johnson at center back. So that was always going to be the first place to strengthen, I think. And here you get a... You know, it's League One. You get in a you get in a big lad that can head the ball, basically. I mean, that's what he said he did, right? He clears the ball. He clear, he kind of makes clearances and battles and puts his body on the line. And that's what he said he did in in his interview. You read anything from um, uh, his previous club? You know, well thought of, decent signing. Played a lot of games last season, um, and did well in a struggling team. I think the. You're right about the. There's a change in ethos of the signings, though. You can see that if you look at Jack Hunt renewing, the age range of the players coming in is vastly different to what it was last year. So they started off signing kind of the Jaden Browns of the world, or these kind of younger players, which maybe yeah, in two, three, four years' time, they probably will be good. But Wednesday don't really have two, three, four years to get out of this division. They sort of just need to get out and then figure it out after that. Well, you need a balance too, I think. Like you're going to need the energy of a player. There's going to be times where you're going to need a Denneran's pace and, and trickiness with the ball at his speed, and you're going to need Delhi Bashiru's available ability to just you know go man-to-man and drive the ball forward. I mean, in a different way than a Denneran does. You know, you're going to need a some pace on the wing or something like that. You know, maybe, maybe this is the year that like Ryan Galvin takes a step forward into the squad TBD there. But again, realistically, I think we saw over and over last year, if Wednesday had a week, it was going away to Morikem or, you know, games on small pitches with players, you know, that were going to bite to the, the midfield and pull a shirt of Lee Gregory and just, 
you know, those are games you have to find ways to win one nothing. I think some of that's going to come from solidity at the back. Hey, Jeff, you know, you know, if Wednesday had a weakness last year, what it really was? Mm. Giving away daft, stupid, soft goals. And yes. I think um, if we're signing like a six foot five beanpole to a great at heading the ball and clearing the ball, I would say that's a marked improvement on what we had last year. Maybe not a marked improvement on what they had last year. I, I, an interesting, but perhaps a little bit curious signing to me is David Stockdale, uh, goalkeeper. They got a free from Wickham. You know, Wednesdays will probably know him best as the, the goalkeeper for Brighton uh, during their, their playoff season. Uh, 36 years old, certainly a veteran, uh, described as, uh, described in some places I saw on the internet as a veteran shithouser as well. Uh, I think we can just look back at the Wickham game to, to get some, uh, a little bit of a taste of what he offers, but you know, an interesting one, uh, Joe Wildsmith, obviously leaving the club. It's unclear what is going to happen with Cameron Dawson in the near term. Is he going to be the number two? Is he going to go back out on loan again? Stockdale to me feels like he should be more at the part of his career where he's kind of the veteran backup. But again, it seems like he put in a pretty good shift for Wickham last year. And he's not, you know, 36 for a goalkeeper is not excessively old. You know, we saw Kieran Westwood and Chris Kirkland have, have good seasons in the Wednesday shirt at that age and older. So what do you make of it, James? Um, so this is a comment of two parts, Jeff. So when I saw that we were signing him, uh, massively underwhelmed because uh, I thought he'd already retired. So it was kind of like, <laughs> what are we doing there? That's the totally wrong end of the market. Um, then I realized he'd been playing for Wickham. And, okay, fair did. Um, the two parts is because I then watched his interview, um, which is actually quite a long interview. It's really worth watching on YouTube when we signed him. And um, in 10, 15 minutes, he completely won me over. Um, this guy gets it. I mean, he he he... he talks very very smartly about how to get on how to win in this league how to um how to work with his defense how to get under the skin of the opposition you know that kind of shithouser comment you can see it in pretty much all he's got this kind of mischievous energy about um yeah and he's not all that old he's 36 which means he's a lot younger than i am so uh so <laughs> yeah no I'm, uh, I'm i'm actually quite pumped about it now i hadn't realized i was going to be he, he um in that interview it was funny because he, he said I, I want to I want to lift a trophy at Hillsborough, which I'm not sure which final we're gonna play to win a trophy at Hillsborough. But he, either way, you can just see he wants to win. That's all he wants to do. And however he goes about it. And there was something else that came up to me in that interview with he said when Wednesday went to Wickham, he said, We knew that we weren't as good as you. So we had to find a way of just getting under your skin. So we just stopped play. And <laughs> if you remember all the commentators that's all they kept saying like oh this is anti-football and but you think the pl the Wednesday players must have been getting so frustrated with that and they walked away with the three points and it ultimately didn't really matter in the end how they played they they got those results so he just he seemed to me like a bit of a bit of a winner just wanted to just however he however they're going to get those three points however they're going to get the clean sheet he's gonna he's gonna find a, a way so probably if you compare him to um bpf from from last year just that little bit of experience in those kind of shitty stadiums in wherever or kind of when the the rain's hammering down in november and december to be able to just get through a game and not drop two points not drop three points or whatever it might be yeah he, he seemed he had a, an interesting balance as well he, I, I genuinely do think it was a great first interview um kind of almost like a case study in how to win people over including me um, but he also talked about how not to panic when you go a goal behind. You know, when you when you trust your team and you trust your defence, when you trust your attackers to uh, to have the quality to do what you need to do. And I think you're right, Chris. He, he's got the experience level, but he's also got the nous to go with it. Um, 
And that, that was just really reassuring. And then the final thing he said, which I thought was good for settling the squad down, is he knows he's going to be in a bit of a bum fight with Cameron Dawson for the number one shirt. You know, it's not like it's a done deal that he is the starting goalkeeper all season, which is basically what BPF had last year because he was mm-hmm. on loan from Burnley and we had to play him a certain number of games, which, you know, he was very embracing of the fact that it's going to be competitive and he's he's going to have to lift his level. Cameron's going to have to lift his level. Wednesday made a decision between Dawson and Wildsmith at the last um, again, there's just a little bit of maturity there. You do need two good goalkeepers going at it if you want to get the best out of whoever's on the pitch. So I think it worked. I will say that it, uh, I think there's value in going out and getting a getting a loney player like Bailey Peacock Farrell, and we certainly saw the class that he was capable of last year during the season. Look, I'm not blaming uh, BPF. The we saw on set piece that he's been just defensively down the wing from open play. Under, but, um, I don't know if that locker room loved Kieran Wood, but he kept them tight ship at what he wanted of them. And they stood where he told them to stand and they headed the ball away when he told them to head the ball. That is maybe a bit more. And like, look, Billy Peacock Farrell is probably going to be Premier League goalkeeper at some point, but this might be a spot where you do want more, a little more impressive. Not anytime soon, I think, based on some of the clients that we saw him for. And uh, yes, he had a bit of class, but I do blame him for not knowing that there was a striker standing behind him at Ipswich and uh, for dropping the ball at Morecambe and uh, Stevenage and goodness knows where else. Probably not Stevenage, but you get the point. Yeah, I, I just think it, I think it stabilizes things. So uh, all good for that one, Jeff. But that's only two of five, right? Yes. So we'll move, uh, we'll stay on the spine. We'll move up to central midfield and we'll Vox on a free from Cardiff. This is an interesting one because. The New York Bluebirds seem to be big fans of his, and just a case of a player being out of favor with the the current manager. But you know, and by all accounts, a solid championship level player coming down to League One, and he also went out and said, "This is the only team." Basically, he says, "The only team we play for in League One." What a brilliant signing this is! Like it, I mean, as soon as he signed, you were like, "Well, that means Luongo's gone." But I was like, "Bang!" Like that. And you saw the reaction like it um online from other clubs. And and I saw one, it was like um Wednesday have just printed their name on the League One title, which I think is maybe us yeah, following Sugar Wednesday yeah, for like, as, yeah, as long no. as it is. They, that's, they don't that's know, they don't know to be fair. But it, yeah. <laughs> but it but it is such a great so like he and he, you know, mentioned in again in his follow-up interview, there was championship interest. Darren Moore played a big part mm-hmm. and he wants to come to a club that wants to be successful and want, you know, wants to be uh, driven and go forward. And for somebody a, to be able to, from an outside, get that from a meeting from the manager shows a clear change in perhaps before where they probably weren't maybe coming for the right reasons. It was, it wasn't because of that. It was because of other things they were connected to the right companies or they were connected to the right, money or, or whatever whatever it might be so yeah I, I love it i think this is a i mean you think it's almost said to you you've got a midfield three of is it uh bannon buyers and volts like that in league one that you would take that i would i would personally take that in the in the championship to be honest i think most championship clubs would and, and that's why you're getting exactly the comments that you're referring to chris it's a it's a marquee signing i mean and that we'll come to the other two in just a second. But the fact that Wednesday are doing this by getting out of contract players to who are at championship standard to play in League One is is a testament actually to something which we haven't really commented on, which is the persuasive powers of Darren Moore. He's he is not he's not just selling the club, he's selling a project. And he's clearly doing it in a way that appeals to players who, you know, in are in many cases in the prime of their careers. You know, Volks could have got a contract with a number of championship clubs 
you know, probably on equal wages, but he clearly wants to achieve something. Um, and I think that's that's a nice thing, right? It's when you can feel something building slowly but surely behind the scenes. And um, yeah, I give more a lot of credit for that. I mean, to be fair, being mid-table in the championship is kind of a boring slog, as uh, I think we all can attest here. Now, we'd take it, but maybe from the playing point of view, I mean, he might be a little... Uh, a little over that. Can we can we just take just take this opportunity, Jeff, yeah. just to go on a quick sidebar, which is that our enigmatic podcast leader Paddy Jones has said that he he won't take winning the League One title next year as, mm. uh, as something he wants to participate in. He's going to wait until we're back in the championship to get yeah. back involved. So I mean, I'm just going to drop that known, little truth bomb there for him. He's a known glory seeker, so it's fine. <laughs> also seeking glory, perhaps a pair of players from Toy Town, uh, Michael Ahikwe, center back. And Michael Smith, who scored 25 goals for them, and like Barry Bannon, was a finalist for player of the season in the league. Um, oh, my, basically. Lee Gregory and Michael Smith up front. Speaking of, you know, pairings that you just kind of say, wow, this is a League One team. Oh, my. Michael <laughs> Smith. is. I, I think for me, is, um, and I asked my question, uh, this question, is he going to be the first... 20 goal a season striker that Wednesday have had went since well, like the day is dawn pro- probably I don't, who knows I don't know much about the center half and you did a far better uh, pronunciation of his last name than I will even try and attempt um but the striker yeah like that is I mean it's money my my uh my dad is a is a Rotherham fan and I was speaking to him and uh it's like oh it's kind of a strange move and he was like well maybe they didn't want to keep him they wanted to keep him the difference is i don't i think the reaction uh, and a little bit like uh like patty is that the reaction online so i was getting one over on rotherham is probably a little bit over the top i would say um given they're playing in the championship and we're uh, messing around going off to accrington on a tuesday night but still like it, wherever he came from i will put him up front with lee gregory and they will they will have a lot of fun together. Yeah, can we talk about the fact that it's not just Gregory and Smith up front? It's Gregory and Smith up front, potentially with Windass behind them. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of absurd in League One, actually, when you couple that with the midfield we just described, Chris. I mean, yeah, this is this is a really punchy team that that we're putting together. And, um, and you know, it's a team that had with... trouble scoring from open play at times last year, especially when Gregory wasn't hurt and they'd never really had a clear striking option. Like they they always found enough goals, but just, but only just yeah. and you know often cases we were we were struggling because we needed a couple of goals because we'd given up a daft one at the other end. So this is what I like about our recruitment policy. We look like we're tightening things up at the back, and we recognise where some of our deficiencies around capitalising yeah. on chances were. You know, for all of Gregory's strengths, he's a fantastic link player. He's powerful. He's a poacher. He kind of you know he creates opportunities in ways we saw last season. He's not six foot plus, you know. He's not getting he's not, on the he's end not of every a volume, one He's of those not a goals. volume finisher either. And I think exactly. Whereas Smith, Smith is, Smith is yeah. just an absolute beast to play against. You know, when we've played against him the last few seasons against Rotherham, he's always caused us trouble because he's he's just the type of striker that defenders really struggle to hold on to. Right? He's physical. He's he drops deep. He can shoot from range. He you know he kind of mixes up the front line. He'll be a great foil for Gregory. Um, I genuinely think it's a terrific signing. You just have to keep them fit for a whole season, which, <laughs> which is again another reason you don't start putting your name on the uh, League One trophy in June. Uh, Higue is interesting. Again, he's a 
you know, he's a, again, a veteran center back played for, you know, came up for Liverpool and Wolverham, uh, Wolverhampton played for uh, Tramere and Rotherham over the last uh, eight or nine seasons or so at this point, a uh, little bit shorter, I think a little bit more of a ball at his feet kind of center back. I do wonder if he's maybe going to play again. So I guess the question in all of this is what the fuck are they playing for a formation next year? So this seems like it's still going to be three, five, two, but more is hinted. He's thought about going back to a four, two, three, one. But I think if you, want to play Smith and Gregory together, they're going to be up front, right? Yeah. I think he's going to three, five, three, five, two, um, back to kind of the, I guess, did he play that at Doncaster previously? And that's what everybody thought he was going to play. But, um, but yeah, I think it, they're not going to play one up front with those three strikers that James just mentioned. I just can't see it. That's interesting because I mean, we can talk about the players that are leaving now. Um, Joe Wildsmith, Masmo Luongo and, Nathaniel Mendez Lang. And like, if you're playing three at the back, you would like Luongo's ability to sort of shield the back three and, and break up play. You know, Vokes is a slightly different kind of player. Um, and, you know, Byers can slide into that role at times too, but it's not his A game per se. And we all know what, how we felt on this podcast when Barry Bannon drops deep and tries to do that. So I'm curious to see how that all plays out i guess the the counterpoint is if you have three good first choice center backs that can clear their lines and are well organized at the back that's less of a you know it's more of a nice to have than a half to have yeah the interesting thing is you um every you know wednesday obviously released that statement saying those three individuals were leaving and did you see online today that um longo posted he he kind of uh, put on his instagram stories the post from Sheffield wednesday and then wrote underneath, have I? Oh, okay. To saying, like, had he refused the contract? Yeah. So, but that post was very quickly deleted. So <laughs> I don't know, like, is there something in that? Or is it kind of the, I think the, he probably the internet is, of Wednesday? I, I assume this is a situation where everybody knew, right, both Wednesday and, and Luongo, obviously knew what his wage demand was for this year. And they decided not to, not to meet it. And like, look, I would love to have Luongo back next year i think he's actually the the key cog of that midfield three in a lot of ways kind of allows them to bannon and buyers to play at their best but you know he's he's getting on in years he probably only has one more sort of you know two-year type contract in him and he might try to get a championship and championship level wages and you know when fit he's certainly that level of player and we are not a championship football club (laughs) yeah when fit was the crucial line in all of that yeah, and you know, maybe you look, maybe it is a little bit of a strategic thing where you look at you know Vox being a couple of years younger and be like, oh well, maybe he is the Massimo Luongo we signed two years ago. And you know, he's he's two years younger, he's two years fitter, uh two years less uh less banged up, less miles on him, and you uh you look at it that way. Yeah. I mean it, it might be something they come to but I mean if you know you get forty goals from Gregory and Smith. I suppose it's not really going to matter how. Uh, Jeff, are you indulging like, in a little bit of summer summer dreaming here? You're just you're, you're kind early, of on the beach, yeah, just, gonna, just yeah. you know, starting to cash your mind forward to a twenty goal a season striker mm. times two. That's quite well, I didn't say they would both score twenty goals. I said they would score forty goals combined. The number of permutations, James. You can do the math. Let's get that written. Let's get yeah. that written down. I mean, maybe last word on the one guy. Look. I don't think there's any of us that wouldn't have wanted to see him re-sign or wouldn't have said, let's have the one going to squad next year. He's a class player. Um, 
But the way things are shaping up, we probably can afford to to move on without him. And I, I've no idea what goes on with these contract discussions, but Christy, a point on kind of like the subterfuge about did he, didn't he, you know, did he reject something? My suspicion is it's just literally nothing more complicated than an agent acting on his behalf, Wednesday saying, okay, well, if that's your demand, we're going to look elsewhere, here's an opportunity. And mm. so that was kind of that. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, it's, it's these kind of things go a number of directions, as we found out with uh, when Das has moved to Argentina. So <laughs> that was a fun topic. It feels like it was six months ago. I know it was like two weeks, but. Hey, you know, to be fair, he very nearly signed for a six-a-side team in Chicago yeah. as a result of our intervention to uh if he thinks the if he thinks the winners to, uh, in Sheffield are bad, he should try the winners in Chicago. <laughs> On that note, we'll take a break. Come back. We will promote our shirts. I'm just gonna bold face tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna promote some shirts and we're gonna answer your questions. Now it's time for some Wednesday shirts, as mentioned at the outset. Uh, Owls Americas is releasing uh, bespoke, I guess, bespoke designed Sheffield Wednesday shirts. Yes, the Owls Americas sponsor logo is on all of them for the people that keep asking because this is an Owls Americas product. Uh, I do want to give a little background. And Chris, this is sort of this is sort of your show, so you can talk about how it came about. Yeah, so I actually follow another team for my sins called the maryland bobcats so um they i don't i, I say i follow that? them I, I i i couldn't actually tell you what league they're in mm-hmm. they, i've been uh, t- uh twice to their their stadium i wouldn't really call it a stadium it's more benches on the side of a field oh, at the local wikipedia place. yeah it's um but anyway, their, their uh, supporters group um, created the shirt and it looked really nice. And I was like, oh, maybe that could work for Owls America. So we partnered with um, a company called um, Olive and York. And they, they're a custom football soccer shirt design company here in, here in the U.S. to create a 1980s, straight 90s inspired um, Owls America's Wednesday shirt. And as Jeffrey said at the start, start it's out before the main... Uh, club shirt, which I was uh, equally uh, keen to to make happen. I'm I'm not like I am surprised. Like people, I think people thought that we were granted permission by the club to release and preview the new kit. Which no, they're not. That, that's I, something I that's had, ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun on Friday because we you did. Yeah. So we did. We did a social um, kind of tease, so we kind of uh, zoomed in on certain aspects of the shirt. Um, and and drop them online with a very simple emoji um, uh, telling people to be quiet and and yeah you're right like uh, we'd sent the Wednesday Twitter army into a sea of like how do you know this this is not right um, <laughs> no all oh, this would actually be quite nice if it was true and then we were able to say well actually it is true and you can you can now order it straight away um, so there's a few design aspects that we all kind of worked on together there's um, uh, we're all Wednesday, aren't we? Printed in uh, the blue stripes. Um, critically, for some parts of uh, the Wednesday fan base, the blue stripe is right down uh, the middle of the shirt. Apparently, that's this, a big... this went through many drafts in yeah. the uh, Owls Americas group. I'm sure uh, the guy that helped me design it was uh, delighted when I said to him, "No, please move the blue stripe to the middle." <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the the name and number um is in kind of a 90s uh style uh the badge is uh embroidered kind of 80s 90s style there's 1867 printed on the back pretty small and then there's some uh, song lyrics printed on the inside of the collar um um never more uh, never felt more like singing the blues so um that's printed on the inside of the shirt but the I think the more important thing is, yeah, it's cool for Owls Americas to create a share and it's cool for us to do some social campaigns and and be have some fun with thinking, you know, uh, people thinking we have the, the true kit. Importantly, uh, all the profits from all the shirt sales will be donated to uh, something called uh, Jude's Campaign. So if you've not heard about this, um, Jude's parents, uh, Lucy and Aaron, and Aaron is a is a former um, Sheffield Wednesday uh, player, um, are currently fundraising for some life-saving treatment for their son, Jude. And Jude is a, a three-year-old boy, um, and in July of last year, was diagnosed with a high-risk, um, uh, rare, aggressive childhood cancer, and ultimately has a 40 to 50% chance of um, survival from the diagnosis. So truly, truly heartbreaking story. They, they're they trying to raise enough money to come here to the US um, for some kind of groundbreaking treatment. Uh, they're trying to raise $350,000, which is a, a monumental amount of uh, money. And they're they're doing exceptionally well. I think I, I looked today, they're kind of up 137,000 pounds, 138,000 pounds. They've done amazing work. And I think we can add um, just a little bit to that overall uh, part so they can be able to um, come here and get the treatment that they need for uh, for their son. The cool thing about this is the more shirts that get sold, uh, the lower cost per unit actually it costs to to make them so ultimately um if we sell over a certain number the cost per unit goes down and that unit that cost keeps going down the more that gets sold so it's not only just donating a proportion of that there is the more that gets sold the more money gets donated into that pot and we are so ridiculously close to hitting the next band of pricing that if we get that it it kind of makes the the fun go up um, even more. So just an encouragement to go look online, go find it. The orders are open until July 16th, so they're taking pre-orders, and then they expect them to be shipped out in uh, in August. A few things. I've had this question so many times. The size guide is online. To find out what size you are, measure a shirt that fits and go and match it up to the size guide on the website. It's all in, uh, all there. You can um, make of it what you uh, will. They're different to the usual Wednesday uh, slim fit. So, so just go measure up. And postage or shipping is available to the UK. You just have to put your address in and it'll work out how much that is. And you'll be able to um, to ship a shirt over to the UK. And the guy who uh, we worked with uh, emailed me uh, yesterday to give me an update on how things were going. And he's like, there have been so many orders from the UK. It's amazing. Like, let's try and keep this uh, momentum going. So this is not just a, an America's thing. This is really, it's available anywhere you are um, in the world to help support um, support this campaign. You should also add, and I know this has come up a lot of times, you do, if you do get it without a name and number on the back, it, it, you don't get the little uh, patch. It is just blue and white stripes on the back. Yeah, and uh, a name and number is um, the grand sum of $2. So um, it's not, I'm not sure it's a financial decision. It's just mm -hmm. more more your um, design preference, I guess, is probably the, the best way to put that. 
It is an aesthetic decision, isn't it? Chris, um, just before I kind of get into the comedy of this, we've got to pay huge tribute to you because um, two things. So one, Chris has managed this entire process despite all of the aforementioned minutiae and persistent questioning. So the minutiae coming from all of us at Owls Americas who, believe me, if I've ever seen a group try and organize by committee, this was the ultimate expression of that, which is like, well, you know, was the owl rightly on the center of the white and the blue stripe in the 1993 shirt or was it slightly off center? Should we include the letters SWFC below the owl or not? Um, yeah, I mean, patience of a saint and uh, and well done to, to Olive and York as well for persisting with that behind the scenes. But the much, much more important point, I think, is is what you just described in terms of Jude's campaign. Um, it's rare, I think, we have an opportunity to do something as a fan base that is so specific and so much for good. And I know Liam Palmer, who we've got a great association with from sponsoring our season, has been drawing a lot of attention to, to this cause. Uh, he's been running a 10K every day throughout June, which is no mean feat, even as a marathon runner, I'm not sure I fancy trying to do that persistently the way he has been doing in Dubai and various other locations before going back to training. So we can we can do some real good as a fan base here. And that little boy deserves every single opportunity he possibly can. Um, so yeah, let's, let's just drive volume. And then obviously if anybody wants to donate to Drew's campaign, we've got all the details on the, uh, on the website, on Twitter, um, you don't even need to buy the shirt if you just simply want to donate a few pounds to uh, to help with this. This is something that's really easy to do. I actually haven't ordered mine yet because I don't know where to ship it to, but I should know before it actually closes. I'm still debating. I got I got some flack in the in the group because I'm considering Harks two, and everyone's like, "Well, he wore six. I'm like, "Yeah, I know he wore six, but he wore two when he first came in in '90 because he was a right back." As and you, you can hear the story from that. Uh, in our interview with John Harks, which I think is still on our SoundCloud page somewhere, probably at the top. You can have any name and number that you wish. Yeah. I'm not big on putting my own name on the back of my shirt like that. It's not a, I, if you want to do it, that's fine. I just don't want like people to, it's just, I think a little weird. The, uh, the design, uh, particularly hit a low point. I think when, um, somebody asked for 1867 on the sleeve. And, uh, so we, we organized that. And then someone said, can you make it a little bit smaller? So we made it a little bit smaller. And then someone, actually, should, should we just get rid of it altogether? And I was, I, was, I, I kind of emailed the, the Olive and York guys and I was like, look, I'm, you know, we're trying to, trying to get this through. And they were so, so patient with, with everything that we, we wanted to do. And they've got some really nice bespoke kits on there that you would just want to buy just because either they support a great cause or they're just cool looking shirts that when when you're in a in a store someone will stop you and say oh like what team is that or what does that represent or, or whatever it might be and there, there's some pretty cool stuff on there so if it's not the wednesday shirt then then go and have a look what else they have yeah, Chris, can we just explain that why that particular person asked for it to be removed is because it was a debate within the group about when the actual founding of Owls Americas was versus the founding of the club, um, which was fortunately easily resolved because we do know when Owls Americas was resolved. But the same person is currently in an industrial dispute with another member of Owls Americas about when the New York Owls was formed. So if you want to address your complaints to Paddy Jones in Secaucus, New Jersey, please do send him a Twitter message. Paddy is going to complain again that we're talking about on the show, but he's not coming back for a year to defend himself. So I guess we can just have at it. We will now have at your social media questions. So Chris, fire away. So there was actually a question about uh, Paddy, 
So um, <laughs> it, it says, is it true that Paddy won't be on the podcast much this season? He was my favourite. And that comes from Paddy A. Jones 247 <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> well, I th- Paddy A. Jones 247 on Instagram. That is up to Paddy A. Jones. He, he holds all the keys for that. Um, there were a couple of other good good questions, which I thought would uh, would spark some debate. So uh, one from Ronald on um, Twitter, and I think we sort of covered it, but it may be worth um, diving into a little bit uh, more, which was what are the thoughts on the team signing older, more experienced players rather than maybe younger talent? This kind of comes across as a plan to go up in the 22-23 season, but then maybe kind of negating looking to the future a bit more. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we saw the young Loney's young transfer players, whether it was, you know, a Dennerin, Corbineau, Brown, uh, you know, Lewis Gibson when he was when fit at the beginning of the season, come in and play more. And like, look, they they never really gelled, right? And there's a lot of different reasons for that. The back line got thrown into disarray pretty quickly with the Iorfa Dunkley injuries. But I think just more broadly, it's difficult to get out of like Wednesday is like assuming Wednesday has a plan. We have James here to tell us that Wednesday don't have a plan, but assuming Wednesday had a plan, they would probably be three years away from having the, the youth players and the, uh, the scouting infrastructure to get those, get those players on loan from the premier league or players that might be, you know, not making the squad at the, the end of, the preseason and those kind of players in and then getting them to jail quickly. Like they just don't have that infrastructure and they can't wait three years. They got to get out of the league and they're bringing in players that will get them out of the league. And it's, it, is it just buying them time? Like if they do win league one this year, you know, is this maybe that central midfield can take a step up. I think they probably can. Although, you know, Bannon will be yeah. a year, Bannon will be a year older. You know, every, they'll all be a year older. Are Smith and Gregory going to be able to step back up and, and score enough goals in the championship to keep him up? I don't know. Um, that is definitely putting the cart before the horse at this point. And the goal's got to be, look, they got into the playoffs last year. We know what they need to do to take another step forward in this league, and they're trying to fill those holes. So the key, key word used there, Jeff, is plan, right? Um, there are two ways of looking at a plan. A plan can be a long-term plan. In other words, how do you put the infrastructure in place to actually self-generate that youth? Or you can have a short-term plan to get yourself out of the hole that you've dug for yourself. Yeah, I, um, believe, I believe the term in corporate America is minimal, minimum viable product, James. <laughs> uh, no, I would just call it like, you know, pull ripcord in case of emergency right yeah. now, which is like, you know, we look, we, we should not be in League One. Everybody understands that. Yeah. Last year, we had a pretty torrid season and we nearly got out of League One, but we didn't really get there close enough. But in my mind, they've just made some sensible, pragmatic decisions to realign themselves as a much better than average League One side this year. And that should be good enough to get them out of the division. It should be good enough to stabilise them in the championship. Now, I think those are good choices. And I think relying on youth and loan is not enough to get you there. So I think it's the right the right move. What I would like to see Wednesday doing in parallel to that is putting the seeds in place to have a more sustainable future as a club, you know, making sure that the academy is working better, that the training facilities are invested in all the things we've been arguing about for several years. And what I'm encouraged by is the fact that we're not paying silly transfer fees to get these players in. We're buying them 
at the end of contracts. We're getting players, you know, without having to pay a, a big upfront fee. I'm sure we're playing healthy wages. And the real question then is about operating costs. You know, if, if Chan Siri can continue to bankroll that, then all the better. Then, in, then employ your capital and put it into your future. So if Wednesday can get out of league this one this year, I would hope that in 12 months' time, we're beginning to see the fruits of some of the younger players, the likes of Alex Hunt, um, you know, Ryan Galvin and others beginning to come through and we don't see them shipping off to Celtic at the end of the season. So yeah, let's, uh, let's start in a good place. I, I, I genuinely think we've made the right choice this summer is the way I'm putting it. And some of that too is putting the, these players, you know, finding these players first team football. I did for Alex Hunt and Cameron Dawson last year, if they don't have it, maybe it's Ryan Galvin this year. Maybe it's uh, Bailey Katamateri who just signed uh, his first professional contract as well. Like you, again, this is, uh, you know, identifying the players that you think can be future, you know, let's take it one step forward, future championship, good championship level players and, you know, finding the ways to get them there. And that's, you know, in all honesty, it's probably not going to be playing in the under 23s in League One in a lot of cases. Like, that's going to be, you know, you're going to field that team and you're going to need that to to get people reps. But you might look at Ryan Galvin and be like, all right, let's move him to a little bit better League Two squad this year and see if he can find regular playing time. Or maybe, you know, he comes out in in training and looks like he can be a at least a squad rotation player. They, again, they don't have a ton of fullback depth at the moment, so... I think there are there's a number of ways to attack this problem, and I do think they'll probably add, you know, like a, to go back to what I said a couple of minutes ago. I think they'll add younger players, like they will add a Premier League or a Championship level player on loan, closer to the opening fixtures, or like maybe in the I guess the fixture I guess the window actually closes earlier now. It's not doesn't go to the end of August, but again, but th- those teams don't know who they want to send out on loan yet because they haven't had haven't had a preseason so and Wednesday doesn't know what positions they want to target for that so I think you'll see more young players come in and I'm not saying yeah, you will probably see a Dennerin play a fair bit this year you'll probably see Delhi Bashiru play a fair bit this year so I don't think it's uh, going to be all like 29 year old League One shithousers but that's what it takes that's what it takes um so there's there's one other and I guess it's linked to what you just uh mentioned Jeffrey so this is from uh from uh, Luke over on uh, from Instagram. So how many more signings do we expect to make? I will preface this by this was sent on uh, Monday afternoon. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Three players since then. <laughs> and we've signed two players. So it may, maybe uh, we'll take that into consideration. But um, yeah, how, how many more th- signings do you think we're going to make? I mean, they probably need another center back, right? Honestly, at least one more. Maybe not a clear starter. I guess I, I have no idea if Iorfa's fit. At any he was jumping very high on the social <laughs> media profile the other day. I was like, well, I mean, if he comes back fit, like that is uh, that's another signing right there. I mean, he did, did he play for about 25 minutes last season? Yeah, he was he was never even close to fit last season. Yeah. And when he did play, he looked all over the shop and it, it was kind of almost upsetting to see because he'd been so composed in the championship. It didn't make sense that he was... Uh, it was so much unlike his old self. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I offer his fit, then I'm not sure we need another starting centre-back. We definitely need, you know, a backup. Um, I could make an argument for bringing Gibson back. We never really saw anything of him last I year. He was I think pretty he, good here and there, you know. He would balance on the left side nicely. You could argue, like, um, Brennan's going to be that. Like, he's looked yeah, good. Yeah, could be. Kieran Brennan's good. Um, I, I like the number two of two more signings. Yeah. Um, I think you're talking about a backup centre-back, and then I think, 
you know, with Mendes Lang not re-signing, yeah. you probably you probably do need another winger, maybe a left side of the winger who can uh, who can slot in there. But um, yeah, I'm pretty Johnson satisfied with where we little, are right now. Marvin Johnson did a little leggy towards the end of last season, so just being able to give him those the odd Tuesday or Wednesday off wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. The interesting thing to me is where this question comes from a, a little bit. So if if we go back twelve months. I had a look. How many signings do you think Wednesday had made in by the twenty second of June, twenty twenty one, for the for last season? It might not have been. It'll be zero. It was zero, yeah. not one, right? And you look back, some players came in, and now the dates are slightly different because we have this this World Cup in November, December time. But the there were signings in middle of July. There's a few in the middle of uh, beginning of August, end of August. Five players through the door before the end of June. I think don't underestimate the the impact of doing meaningful business like that really early. That could mean you could go out and sign another 15 players, right? It doesn't if you're gonna get them all in September, it doesn't they're not gonna not gonna have the same impact as maybe five. It's such an important point, and it's been a it's been a real frustration with Wednesday for a number of years, which is if you don't get your business done early then you're we playing catch up in August, terms we spend of all to get... August telling you, oh, just got to give the squad a little more time to gel. Well, ex- exactly. And, you know, players getting familiar. Now we've got the spine of a squad that actually wasn't bad last year. Um, and they're coming back and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be the, if you like, kind of the skeleton on which we're hanging these additional players. But if those players are part of preseason, if they get a full process of training, getting to know the squad, acclimatizing to the culture, understanding the playing style, understanding what's expected of them. There's no reason why we don't get to the end of July, and it is the end of July, which is crazy when the season starts, and we can't have high expectations for a fast start. And this is Sheffield Wednesday. We don't make fast starts to seasons, but it is the way to set momentum and to set the tone for for a League One promotion campaign. You want to come out of those first six, eight games and say, you know what, we've won... 75% 75% of them and we're sitting pretty in like, you know, one, two or three in the, in the league. That's where Wednesday need to be this year. So yeah, it's a really good signal in town. Uh, you heard it here first. James is predicting a top three finish in the league. I'm demanding a top three finish in the league. Forget predicting. You've been listening to episode 180 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask you rate and review the show. as It helps more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, can you believe we're going to have to do a show, like a preview show, at the end of July this year? Um, I'm trying to ignore it, Jeff. Um, but I am actually thinking about being in the UK at the end of July this year, which means I may go to Hillsborough for the first time in three years. Um, or at least that was the plan until I ended up with a citizenship interview at the end of July. So maybe I'll go in August. Who knows? But um, yeah, bring it on. Let's do the early start of the season. Let's make that fast start. Chris, I didn't. Uh, I probably should have looked up your Twitter handle before. I I, I deleted my Twitter profile. Mm, in why I can't find it. Yeah, good for uh, you. It became the. Uh, how do I describe this nicely? 
the cesspool of the internet where you just got kind of harassed, right? And that's not where I wanted to be. So I will go under the pseudonym of Owls Americas and just mm. have, to have at that. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here in July. Thank you.